Thank you, church, for praying together. I tell you, this is probably one of my favorite times of the week, just an opportunity for us to, to be together as a church family and to pray together one with another. And, and I trust that we continue to pray for one another as the week goes on. If you don't have a copy of the prayer letter, I'd encourage you to grab one. It'll be a help and blessing to you in that regard. Well, I'm going to do it. Luke chapter 2 tonight. Luke chapter 2 in God's Word, and uh, if it's legal to listen to Christmas music, then it is legal to preach the Christmas story. Amen? Amen. And it is now legal to listen to Christmas music. You are a heretic uh, if you did so before Thanksgiving. Our resident favorite heretic over there. Um, But uh, it is now legal for all of that, so tonight... Uh, just before December, we are going to look into Luke chapter 2 together. Once you found it, would you stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's word? We're going to start in verse number 8 tonight and read down through verse number 14. And uh, why don't we read this in unison together? The Bible says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord." And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Father, tonight as we look into your word, Father, I pray how you would be with us tonight. Lord, speak to us. Lord, open our hearts. And may your Holy Spirit of God speak to us tonight. Help us, I pray, to be ready to both hear and heed everything you, our God, desire to say to us tonight. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Love the Christmas season. Amen. And uh, I love the lights. I love the family. I love the friends. I I love the opportunities to give. The season, though, we know this as Christians, the season is a celebration, not just of love and not just of peace and joy and family. No. The season is a celebration of the greatest gift that has ever been given And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about Christmas, we understand, especially as parents, that many gifts have their moment. And the kids will play with them for a day or a month or a year. Some gifts don't even have their moment, right? The gift gets set aside and the kid plays with the box uh, more than they play with the toy. But most gifts, many gifts have their moment. But the thing about Jesus is, Jesus, the greatest gift, lasts forever. Amen? And I'm going to go better still. Jesus not only lasts forever, we can say Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. 
Church, I think it's important for us as we enter into this Christmas season to remember that the blessings of Jesus don't just extend to eternity, but the blessings of Jesus extend to every aspect of our everyday existence. Jesus truly does change everything. But so often, we fail to fully appreciate and fail to fully appropriate All of the blessing that Jesus is. And so for that reason, in this season, we're going to be looking at a couple of different things over the next month or so. Looking at a number of the things that that come with Jesus, that come with our Savior, that really makes him the gift that keeps on giving. Tonight, I want to consider the, the, the idea of peace. That Jesus brings us peace. Amen. The angel saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace, goodwill toward men. You know, when you think about peace, peace is something that is, that is long sought after. Amen? Uh, the world talks about it a lot. The world seeks after it a lot. And yet true peace, lasting peace, is elusive. The world doesn't have it. And sadly, the case is not much different for many Christians. For many Christians, the norm is drama and chaos inside and out. And since we've been talking about spiritual gifts, I will make clear that drama is not a spiritual gift. Amen and amen. Somebody should retweet that one. But though the world is full of chaos, Jesus brings peace. So tonight I want to consider this precious gift He is the gift that keeps on giving, and He brings the gift of peace. So Roman numeral one tonight, we need to consider this, that Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Of course, this harkens back to the prophecy of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6, where the Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now I want you to think about that title with me tonight. He is the Prince of Peace. This means as the Prince of Peace that his realm and that which is under his rule is characterized by peace. Think about this. If you have a Prince of England, well, that would mean that as a Prince of England, that which was a part of his realm, that which was under his rule, could be rightly characterized as English. Not Russian, not French, not Moroccan, but English. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And that means my Jesus, King Jesus, rules over a realm of peace. The Bible gives us a lot of good news in this regard. You know that one day Jesus will bring peace on earth. One day, Jesus will bring peace on earth. One day, Jesus is coming again. Amen? And the Bible says that when Jesus comes again, that for 1,000 years, war will cease. Isaiah 2 in verse number 4 gives us a picture of that. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up 
sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. I'm going to tell you, that's going to be a good day, amen? No more war. When Jesus comes again, he is going to instill a kingdom of peace on this earth for 1,000 years. But there's not just going to be peace among the nations. The Bible says when Jesus comes again that Jesus is going to return the earth to the tranquility like the Garden of Eden. There will not just be peace among nations. There will be peace. In Isaiah chapter 11 beginning in verse 6 we see a description of this. Now listen to this. The wolf shall also dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid, meaning the little goat, not like the little person, all right? And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a child shall lead them. Verse 7, and the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child shall play in the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You think about that. Even the animals are going to get together. I saw a video recently. It was a zoo down in Australia. If you've seen it, you know you've seen it. Because it was, I believe it was a raccoon or a possum had gotten into the orangutan cage. And so the orangutans, they decided to have a little fun with it. And so they chased it all around. They tossed it all around. One orangutan actually tossed it into the enclosure of another orangutan. And then they chased it all the way up to the top of the highest orangutan thing. And then you just see on the video, foof. And you see the thing go, As far as I know, they never recovered his body. But it is not expected that he fared real well. And that's monkeys and possums. You'll have to go find it on YouTube. It's there. David's interest has been piqued. And that's monkeys and possums, right? Or monkeys and raccoons, whatever it was, because it's all in the past tense now. Uh, It did not survive that trip. But uh, at any rate, it's not just monkeys and orangutans and possums. No, we're talking about lions and cows. We're talking about children and poisonous snakes. No, when Jesus comes again, his rule, his realm will be peace across the earth. One day, King Jesus will return and he will fulfill every kingdom promise he has ever made to the nation of Israel. He will. Peace on earth. But you know, the peace, the realm, the rule of the Prince of Peace, it's not just one day peace on earth. No, Jesus is our peace in the church today. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 13, says this, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Paul here is giving an example of the Jews and the Gentiles, and there's really no reason that the church should work. We're too different. We come from too many different places. We have too much different baggage in our backgrounds. There's too much between us except for Jesus. Amen? Amen. And Jesus, He 
is our peace. That's the reason this works. Because Jesus is greater than our differences. Because He broke down the divisions between us. He's the only reason this works for the church. You see, Jesus is not just peace for the earth one day. Jesus is peace for the church today. But He's not just going to be peace on earth one day. He's not just peace in the church corporate today. But Jesus wants to provide peace in me. Jesus is not just, like I said, the promised peace on earth one day or the present peace in the church today. No, Jesus wants to be peace in my heart. And Jesus wants to be peace in your heart. He wants to be my peace with God through salvation. Romans 5 and verse number 1 teaches us that. That therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our peace with God. If He's not yours, He wants to be. He wants to be my peace with God. He wants to be my peace in all of life's trials and tribulation. In John 14, verse 27, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He wants to be my peace. He wants to be your peace. He is the Prince of Peace. That means his realm is peace. That means his rule is peace. And that means, hear me, as I choose to rest in his rule, that means I can know his peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Now look with me in Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26 and verse number 3. It'll be up on the screen. Look what it says here now. It says, but thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Speaking of God, speaking of Jehovah, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. So as we consider the fact that Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving and that he gives to us peace, we see that not only is Jesus the Prince of Peace, but that Jesus gives us perfect peace. He gives us perfect peace. Peace. Isaiah, as we just said, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. You know, peace can be described as the absence of turmoil or conflict around me. That's one way we can describe it. I think as even we mentioned earlier during prayer time, America is technically in peacetime now. Because we have no official, active, hot wars taking place at this moment, or as of the beginning of this service. And so, peace can be described as the absence of turmoil or conflict around me. And so, by that definition, America is technically in peacetime. And by the way, this is a valid understanding of peace, and God does want to work. He wants us to be peacemakers, amen? He wants to work in and through us, God's people be known as peacemakers. He wants to work then on behalf of his people to provide peace around them. I love what Proverbs 16, 7 says. It says that when a man's ways please the Lord, what will he do? He maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so as we honor God, as we seek to be peacemakers, as God gives us opportunities, many times God does allow us peace in an outward way. But we know that this is not always the case, amen? That uh, the perfect peace that is promised to the Christian is not always the absence of conflict and turmoil around us. 
We can look to the Bible to find many examples. Joseph was a man uh, whose uh, ways pleased the Lord. And yet Joseph's life was full of turmoil and conflict. His brothers threw him in a pit, decided not to kill him. Gee, thanks, bro. Um, decided not to kill him, but instead decided to sell him into slavery. He was lied about, thrown in prison. While he was in prison, he was forgotten about. All sorts of things in Joseph's life prove that just because we live a life seeking to please the Lord doesn't mean our lives are going to be absent of conflict and turmoil. Think of David. Ah, David's another one. He was questioned and, 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 and maligned by his brothers. Saul tried to kill him. Goliath tried to kill him. His own son Absalom tried to kill him. Everybody wanted to kill David, it seems. And David ran. He hid in caves. He went here. He went there. And David's life was, was not a life that was at all characterized by an a, 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 a outward peace. And yet we know David was a man after God's own heart. You think of the early church as they sought to please the Lord. The early church was, did not exist in a time of peace and tranquility. Theirs was not a life void of trouble and conflict around them. They seemed to have trouble at every single turn. So we know that this outward absence of toil and conflict is not always how God gives us peace. And really, if we stop there at what's going on around me, it really is a pretty shallow understanding of peace. Because I can't always control what's going on around me, can I? And so more important than what is going on around me, it's what's going on within me. And so when I think of perfect peace, church, I think this is a wonderful understanding, is that perfect peace then is not necessarily the absence of turmoil and conflict around me, but it is the presence of tranquility and calm within me. It's not necessarily the absence of turmoil around me, but the presence of tranquility within me. Why did some of you scoff when I say that America is technically in peacetime? Because we know there really ain't a whole lot of peace going on right now. We might not have an official active hot war going on, but we got a couple of cold ones we're financing currently. And you look within our own borders, there's not a whole lot of peace at home, is there? And so we could say in an outward way that America's at peace. But the reality is we know peace is different than what's going on around us. Peace has far more to do with what's going on within us. Go back to our examples. Joseph's life was not a life characterized by outward peace. But I think it, as you study the man, it was a life characterized by inward peace. We see a man, I mean, as soon as I had gotten thrown in the pit, um, I would have been, why, Lord? I'd have found a harmonica somewhere and started singing the spiritual blues. And you would have too. When I got lied about, I'd have stamped my foot. I'd have raised my fist. I'd have caused a scene. When I got forgot about, oh, buddy. At that point, I'd have been like, mad, sad, mad, sad. Just not know what to do with myself. 
And yet you look at the life of Joseph in Scripture, he appears as one of the most even-keeled guys in, in the totality of Scripture. What, what allowed that man to live with such peace? I think we get a glimpse in, in Genesis 50 and verse number 20. Look what he says. He's talking to his brothers, the ones who threw him in the pit, the ones who sold him into slavery. He says, guys, as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God, God meant it in the good. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. You see, there was something different. While the world was going crazy around him, there was a peace within him. I think about David. You read the Psalms. And just the rawness of David's emotions in the Psalms. One of the verses, I actually quoted this verse to one of my daughters this weekend. Psalm, Psalm 3, verses 5 and 6. David said this, he said, I laid me down and slept. I awakened for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands, plural, of people that have set themselves round about me. By the way, if there were just ten thousand people, singular, who had set themselves round about me to kill me, guess what I wouldn't be doing? Sleeping. But David could. Why? Because though the world was crazy around him, David had peace within him. Think of the early church. Think of Paul, for example. You read in like 2 Corinthians the things he went through, like beaten here and stoned here and left for dead here and you know, tarred and feathered there and run out here and shipwrecked here and whipped here and on and on it goes. And you look at what, what allowed the Apostle Paul to just keep going. What gave him that strength, that, that, that settled confidence that he had to just keep going. I think there's a verse that really summarizes it in the book of Acts. He's on this ship and the ship is getting ready to go down. And everybody on the ship is just going nuts. And Paul steps up and he says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Look at it. For I believe God. And though the world was crazy around him, there was a settled peace within him. You see, church, Jesus gives us a peace that the world cannot take and that life cannot shake. And there is a perfect peace that is possible today because although King Jesus is not physically ruling and reigning today in Jerusalem, the Prince of Peace can be ruling and reigning in your heart. And His rule, His realm, is peace. So we see Jesus, the gift that keeps on giving. He brings peace, amen? We see Jesus, first of all, is the Prince of Peace. We see, secondly, that, that Jesus gives perfect peace. But now we need to take it and we need to make it personal. Jesus offers personal peace. Jesus doesn't just want to be the generic Prince of Peace. Jesus wants to be my peace. And Jesus wants to be your peace. 
We've already seen it, Isaiah 26 and verse number 3. Say it with me in unison. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Let's say it together, all right? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Philippians 4, beginning in verse 6. Say it with me if you would. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Giving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, verse 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So here we go, church. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus provides perfect peace, but Jesus wants to give us peace personally. So the issue at hand is, how do I do this? How, how, how do I make this personal? How do I practically and personally live in the perfect peace that the Prince of Peace wants to give me? Let me give you a couple of thoughts from those verses we just read together. Where does this peace come from? It comes, number one, from a confident trust. It comes, number one, from a confident trust. You see, peace is not so much what's going on around us. No, it's what's going on where? Within us. And so I'm looking for inward peace. I'm looking for inward tranquility, inward calm. An inward peace is produced by an inward persuasion or confidence that everything is under control. By the way, that's why everybody can have peace sometimes. Because for all of us, there are instances where, where we feel like, okay, it's under control. We got this. Things are being taken care of. And when we have the feeling, the confidence, that we are persuaded that life is under control, guess what? We have peace. That's why everybody can have peace sometimes. But I will tell you, that's also why the world and many Christians cannot maintain peace. Because that in which they place their confidence inevitably fails. People put their confidence in themselves, and when themselves can't do it no more, they lose peace. People put their confidence in their money, and when their money can't do it no more, they lose their peace. People put their confidence in health and doctors, but when the doctors can't diagnose, or the doctors can't treat, or the doctors can't find the right prescription, or the pain just keeps coming and won't go away, and we can't figure it out, and the doctors can't control it anymore, and I can't control it anymore, well, then we lose our peace. We put our confidence in relationships, and when those relationships break down, we lose our peace. We put our confidence in our career, and, and when we lose our career, we, we retire, things change, and, and that which we had built our confidence in goes away. We lose our peace. We put our confidence in parenting, but when our kids fail us, we lose our peace. You know, everybody can feel like life is under control sometimes. But when our confidence is in anything other than Jesus, we will inevitably lose our peace. Because nothing other than Jesus can truly stand the test of life. By the way, this is also why there are so many substitutes for peace out there. You wonder why people scroll mindlessly on social media for hours and hours and hours and hours. It's a distraction. 
It doesn't give them peace. It distracts them from the lack of peace they have. But the problem with distractions is eventually you got to come back to reality. That's why there's so many amusement out there. That's why, that's why literally, uh, you, can, you can watch YouTube and you can autoplay YouTube and you can stream on Apple and on Peacock and on Disney and on this and on this, and there is no end to the content out there. That's why there's, there's always going to be a bigger, better roller coaster. There's always going to be a bigger, better ride. There's always going to be a bigger, better sale. There's always going to be a bigger, better phone and bigger, better car. Because you know what amusement is, right? And amusement is just like something we do to not think. But again, we've always got to come back to reality. This is why that drugs and alcohol are so prevalent. It's not because people have so much peace. It's because people lack peace and they want to escape it. And this is why there's so many substitutes for peace out there. But church, if we want inward peace, if we want perfect peace, if we want peace that passes all understanding... If we want peace, not as the world gives it to us, but as Jesus gives it to us in such a way that no matter what happens, our hearts can't be troubled, then you know what? We have to come to the place where we realize that the Lord is the only one who is worthy of our complete confidence and trust. He is the only one. And we have to come to the conclusion that He can handle anything. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7, the Bible says this, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Do you notice what's not there? There's not an asterisk there. Casting all your care upon him unless it's cancer. There's not an asterisk there. Casting all your care upon him unless it is a sin that so easily besets us. Casting all your care upon him, unless it's the loss of a loved one, unless it's an illness, unless it's this, unless it's financial difficulty, there's no asterisk there. It is simply a blank check. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And so we have to come to the conclusion that, that first of all, he is the only one worthy of our total confidence and trust. And that he can handle anything we face, no exceptions, no questions asked. Moreover, we have to believe that he has promised to help us through anything we face. John 16 and verse 33, Jesus said this, John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have what? In me ye might have what? In me ye might have what? Peace. In the world, what are we going to have? Tribulation. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. He said, I have overcome the world. I'm going to tell you, that means no matter what comes over us, he's already overcome it. And if we want peace on the inside, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take confident trust that he's the only one worthy, that he is absolutely capable of handling anything. And that he has promised to help us through everything. And that through it, he's going to work to grow us, to equip us, to strengthen us, to mature us. Hey, he is worthy of our trust. Amen. Hey, he is worthy of our trust. Amen. Does he have yours? You see, him being worthy of it and us actually giving it to him are two different things. So how do I find this perfect peace and allow the Prince of Peace to reign in my heart? 
Well, it's going to take a confident trust. But it's also going to take a continuing trust. You see, this confident trust is not something that we achieve one time. And then we're like, whew, glad that's over. Got that down. You know, put it in the pocket. And, uh, oh, test passed. Lord, thank you. And uh, we're just going to move on. What's next? No, 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 no. That's not how that works. You know as well as I do that every day brings new challenges. That every day life, the world, the flesh, the devil wants to give me new reasons to doubt my God. And so confident trust is not something that we achieve one time and we just congratulate ourselves and move on. No, it's something we have to be careful to maintain. Because there will always be something in this life. There will always be someone in this life who seeks to rob us of our peace. But this is where continuing trust comes in. Because no matter how the problem changes, God's person doesn't change. No matter how the problem changes, God's power doesn't change. No matter how the problem changes, God's presence doesn't change. No matter how the problem changes, God's promise doesn't change. Therefore, no matter how the problem changes, God's peace doesn't change. A continuing trust. I want you to notice from the verses that we read that it is God's job to keep our hearts in peace. Look at Isaiah 26.3 again. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Let me ask you, from from what I've explained to the context, who is the thou? God. Who is the him? Me, yeah. So it is whose job to keep who in perfect peace? It is God's job to keep me in perfect peace. It's his job, not mine. Did you notice Philippians 4 and verse number 7? Philippians 4, Philippians 4 and verse number 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So whose job is it to guard our hearts? It is the peace of God who will keep our hearts. Now that's important. It is God's job to keep my heart in peace. It's not my job To achieve peace, it's not my job to hold on to peace. Rather, it is my job to trust and obey God. And when I trust and obey God, what am I doing? I am putting myself in position for Him to keep my heart in perfect peace. It's my job to trust. It's His job to give peace. It's my job to trust. It's His job to give peace. I love the Christmas season. Church, truly Jesus is the greatest gift. Amen? Amen. Truly Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. And tonight, church, let's understand. Praise God for our salvation, for our Savior. But also praise God for the peace that He wants to give us, not just eternally, but every stinking day. Amen? And sometimes they are stinking. But He still gives peace. I'm going to ask you tonight. Do you lack peace? I hope, first of all, that you know the Prince of Peace. And I don't ever, even on Wednesday night, I want to take it for granted that you know the Prince of Peace as your Savior. 
If you're here tonight and you've never received the Lord Jesus as your Savior, if you're here tonight and you don't know where you stand with God, get it settled. I'm going to tell you, this church would love nothing more than for you to come to know the Prince of Peace tonight. And through Him, have peace with God. Do you lack peace? I hope you know the Prince of Peace. And if you know Him, boy, it's time to bring our hearts under His rule. It's time to bring our hearts into His realm. Hey, He is the only one worthy of our complete trust. Amen? But does He have yours? Does He have mine? His realm is the only place that perfect peace truly resides. Father.